Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I'm coming to you tonight, as every night, all the way from the the land of the rising sun here in western Japan. So once again, thank you for tuning in for the broadcast tonight. And tonight we are scheduled to have on the line with us our old friend and frequent guest, Lieutenant Eric Schein, to talk more about his ongoing case and also about the very interesting case of National Biometric ID Programs. But uh, he seems to be missing in action at the moment, so we're trying to hunt him down. Once we get him on the line, I will, of course, let you know. But until then, let's proceed with the, the cut and thrust of tonight's program, talking about those biometric ID uh, card systems and schemes that have been on the table and being proposed for the better part of a decade now. And some of you will probably be able to cast your mind back to 2004, 2005, 2006, in that era, when... The, a lot of the public in America were become, was becoming switched on to the idea of the real ID that was attempting to be ramrod through uh, Congress and uh, th- through each individual state, which really would have amounted to a national biometric ID. And uh, it was something that a lot of people were raising the alarm about, including the late, great Aaron Russo in his uh, ex- absolutely indispensable film, Freedom to Fascism, which, if you have not seen, I suggest you go back and watch. It may be some pretty bedrock uh, foundational stuff out there and perhaps uh, too too basic for some of you in the audience who are progressed on to your PhD studies in the New World Order. But for those of you out there who are new to all of this, that is an excellent foundational documentary to watch. It was so several years ago when Aaron Russo bankrolled it from his own pocket, and it is still today. One of the issues that he talks about in that movie is the real ID system and all of the uh, the nightmare of the biometric ID and the possibility of a national ID card, which, of course, to most Americans will uh, will should be sound should sound absolutely like uh, something out of well some sort of Orwell uh, nightmare novel rather than something that would happen in the U.S. of A. But unfortunately, it is something that has been talked about for years. Uh, they ended up scrapping the real ID as it had been proposed. But as I'm sure many of you are aware, they are implementing it silently behind the scenes by basically standardizing all ID cards, not just in the U.S., but really all around the Western Hemisphere, and in fact, throughout the globe, because of uh, behind-the-scenes United Nations-level treaties that are being signed and, of course, not being covered in the mainstream media that are really standardizing all of these ID cards that now, of course, all have their barcodes and the biometric details, and it is all being done without your knowledge or consent. And that is something that you should at least be aware of, if not disturbed by. And it's something that we've talked about here on the Corbett Report before. We talked about it, for example, with Nathan Allenby uh, a few, a couple of years ago now. And one excellent uh, article that he wrote on that, which I constantly refer people back to, is called ID Cards, Intergovernmental Co- Cooperation in Worldwide Implementation. So I'll put that in the show notes for tonight's episode so you can go and actually download the very document itself that he highlights in that uh, in that particular article where he 
he highlights ICAO 9303, which is a document that's available online for you to download, and you can actually read exactly how these smart ID cards are being implemented, how they're, be- they're being standardized around the globe before you are even t- being told about them. Uh, that, again, is something that we should all be aware of because the ID card system is just another step along the road to the, towards that cashless society, which is the dream of the people who want to put all of the power in the banker's hands so that they can literally push a button and take someone off the grid. And uh, it's not too much of a step from there to having a mark in your hand or forehead which will be able to turn off your buying or selling powers nightmare stuff but it is becoming a reality so we should be aware of it more on that right after this Program friends, James Corbett here. You are tuned into Corbett Report Radio, and of course, more information about myself, my work, and the show notes for tonight's episode are all available at CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. So I suggest you head there if you haven't yet done so to find out more about myself and the other work that I do. And as I say, the show notes for tonight's episode will go up like every every night, just shortly after the episode airs. I'll get all of the links from tonight's uh, episode up there so you can go and follow all of these for yourself. And speaking of following along on Twitter, at Corbett Report, I was just tweeted an emergency tweet from Occupy Rouge, at Rouge K62, who is tweeting a VolterraNet article, NATO preparing vast disinformation campaign, talking about how NATO and the GCC are preparing a coup d'etat and a sectarian genocide in Syria, well, I suppose, broadly speaking, that's nothing new, but there are some new details about what they are planning potentially to do in the next few days in terms of psyops in Syria. And this is coming from Thierry Messon, who uh, knows what he's talking about. He is either in the area or uh, has recently been so. I know uh, from behind the scenes I was trying to get him on the program, and he was heading to Syria last time I talked to him. That was about a month ago, so I'm not sure where he is right now, but certainly he is in that region, and he is uh, collecting information straight from the Syrians, so it is something to be taken seriously. I have just retweeted that tweet, so uh, certainly if you're following along at home on Twitter, feel free to retweet yourself if you want to get the word out about that NATO campaign to spread disinformation in Syria and potentially ramp up the next war, which, as we've talked about before, is the beginning of a war on Iran, which, as we've talked about before, is the beginning of a much wider regional war and potentially drawing in the big superpowers like Russia and China. And I did just read an interesting comment on uh, an article earlier today, uh, I believe it was on Christian Science Monitor, talking about the whole Syrian debacle and now Hillary Clinton claiming that the Russians are sending new attack helicopters to Assad and all of the latest rigmarole. One of the comments, uh, I think, quite chillingly and perhaps quite accurately wrote, and thus ends the Security Council. We really are looking at that type of uh, bifurcation, that split happening, and it is of real world historical significance. So 
I should uh, be devoting every every moment of our time to that in any other age in which we were living. I think I would be, but unfortunately we're living in an age where, where there are simply too many balls in the air to keep our eye on any one of them for any too long, because that's how they uh, like to slip things under the radar. So I will once again direct you there, twitter.com slash Corbett Report, if you want to follow along and uh, take a look at that article, the link is there. And, of course, follow me at Corbett Report, and anything that you tweet at me on air, I will attempt to get to and or read. If you want to get in on tonight's conversation, 1-800-313-9443. I'll open up the phone lines broadly, absolutely anything you want to talk about. But I'm going to continue talking about what we talked about there in the first segment, which is ID cards and the possibility of a national biometric ID and really, in effect, an international biometric ID because it's important, as I was saying, to understand that this is not just something that's being implemented willy-nilly in one country by, by country. It is something that is, in fact, being standardized behind the scenes and already has been for some years. So once again, I'll put, put you back to that article by Nathan Allenby that I posted to Corbett Report on 9th of January 2010, ID Cards, Intergovernmental Cooperation in Worldwide Implementation. Let me just read a little bit of that for you so that you get a taste of what that's about. It says, quote, simultaneous introduction of biometric smart ID cards around the world is not just a coincidence. It is not merely due to nations copying effective schemes in other nations and is not just a phenomenon related to the sudden maturity of technology. Implementation of these ID card schemes was pushed. It is being driven in a coordinated program by international organizations and conferences led by the U.S. and the European Union. To make such claims, it is necessary to back them with hard evidence. Discussing this evidence can be slow and interrupt the flow of the narrative, so we shall go through this twice. First the short version, then go through the documents for those who want the backstory. Number one, the ID schemes and database projects are harmonized and conform to international standards designed to be coordinated and interoperable. The smart ID cards being adopted by different nations worldwide are all on a common format. ICAO 9303. Two, behind the ID project, the participating nations are also all adopting a common format for personal information on government databases. This is what ID cards are about. More than the physical cards themselves, they are an interface to access databases of personal information. Adopting a common format for cards implies adopting a common format for data systems and databases. Interoperability of systems and universal accessibility of data has been an explicit goal, not merely implicit. There is also a project to make your personal data available to all other governments worldwide. Three, the adoption of these systems has been coordinated by a government process, conferences, aid, and support. Four, this policy is being projected worldwide by the European Union and the U.S., they have been the leading movers in promoting common format smart ID cards and databases. Five, it seems probable that Russia and the Eastern Bloc nations will also be joining the project under the EU-Russia Common Spaces Agreements. And six, smart ID cards will cover at least 90% of the world population, perhaps over 95%. This figure is even higher than that in my earlier arc article in Global Research, only about 2.5% are definitely not going in with the common format ID scheme, example Burma, North Korea, Madagascar, etc. For about 8% of the world population, 
I haven't been able to track down solid, reliable information, example small countries such as Equatorial Guinea, Fiji, etc. The indications are that these small nations will be joining regional schemes. Examples of these include the East Africa the East African Economic Union ID card scheme, the Andean Community of Nations, which already shares an inter- interoperable ID card system, likewise the Union of South American Nations, the Caribbean Community, which has established a single domestic space with a single internal passport, the travel card, which is in fact a standardized ICAO biometric ID card, the Cooperation Council for the Arab States of the Gulf has established a common ID card as part of its project for customs and monetary union, Other Arab states, such as Egypt and Algeria, have already joined this ID scheme. Other political unions are moving in the same direction. The West African Economic and Monetary Union, the Economic and Monetary Community of Central Africa and the Pacific Union, which will include Australia and New Zealand and 14 other smaller uh, Pacific Island states. Within these regional groups, all nations agree to adopt a common ID card which is interoperable with the other nations in the region and, incidentally, also globally because of the common ICAO format discussed above. And point seven, the aim of this process is to track population movement, migration of population. The system of immigration and border controls has evolved into a worldwide system of monitoring population movement to stop potential immigrants. The aim has progressed from stopping potential illegal immigrants at the borders of the EU or the U.S., into extended border controls that stop migrants hundreds or thousands of miles before they reach the borders. This requires systems of population monitoring and surveillance in third nations. ID systems are part of this strategy. End quote. All right, there you have it, a pretty lengthy uh, part of that very lengthy article and very detailed by Nathan Allaby. Once again, Links are included, hyperlinked in there, in that article. So if you want to go and start tracking down some of the documents that he's talking about and some of the uh, the articles that show exactly what he's talking about with these different regional blocks coming together to standardize their travel cards and their, their internal passports, etc., then the, I would again suggest you follow the link from the show notes from tonight's episode to find that particular article. Once again, it's called ID Cards, Intergovernmental Cooperation in Worldwide Implementation, and it does go on from there, but I, su- I suggest that that, uh, that little bit that we read there is probably enough to convince you, if you needed any convincing, that this is a real agenda. It is really going on. And unless you're actually looking for it in the headlines, you probably won't find out about it. Because, unfortunately, it's just not that, uh, it's not that sexy of a headline for the news editors to run with. In this age of it bleeds, it leads, we're much more likely to see the uh, latest hysterics about what Assad is alleged to be doing in Syria than we are ever to uh, to be uh, seeing anything about this ID card sit scheme. And that's even uh, barring the the very likely possibility that the, uh, the they aren't just running with a story about Lindsay Lohan or George Clooney or something of that sort, something of utterly no consequence at all. But there's a little thought experiment that I like to try from time to time. Actually, I shouldn't say I like to try it. I force myself to do it from time to time because uh, the results are always horrific. But uh, but if you want to try yourself, just go to news.google.com. And I never, ever, ever suggest people use Google. But uh, the news search can be useful from time to time in this regard. And it's really only in this regard. 
if you type in uh, a biometric ID or something along that, those lines uh, into the news search there on Google, just see what comes up on that particular day. Uh, and, of course, the news search will only give you new articles from within the last week or two from around the globe. And having done that just before going on air, I'm disheartened to see once again that, yes, absolutely, in country after country after country, these types of mammoth databases with all of this personal information are right now in the midst of being put together and being brought online. And it is the information of literally millions and millions and millions and ultimately billions of people around the globe are being standardized, are being brought online, are being put into these databases as we speak. So why is this important? Where is it happening? What is the background of all this? Well, hold on right there, friends. I have plenty more to say on this, and we have some callers on the line, so we'll go straight to your calls after this break. 1-800-313-9443. 1-800-313-9443. Stay right there. We'll be right back. always nice to be the bearer of good news, and it's something that I seem to get the chance to do so infrequently here on the broadcast. So I would like to break some good news to those of you out there who find the current time of this uh, the Corbett Report radio broadcast to be a little bit inconvenient, and I know there are many of you out there for whom this broadcast just takes place too late in the evening for you to uh, to possibly be able to listen to live I know that uh, it is uh, after midnight now in, on the East Coast, so it is quite a late time of the evening and probably not the best time to reach a lot of people. So I'm happy to note that as of next week, this broadcast is going to be changing times from 11 p.m. Central, where uh, you're listening to me right now, to 9 p.m. Central, and again for one hour. So I'm looking forward to that very much, and I hope that we'll be able to get, garner some more of the uh, live audience that way. I know there's a lot of you out there who are listening only on archives because this is just past your bedtime. So hopefully that will uh, help things out a little bit. And I'm I'm looking forward to that very much and hopefully picking up some more of the live audience out there. But on that note, speaking of the live audience, we have one member of that audience right there on the line. Once again, 1-800-313-9443 if you want to share your thoughts. So let's go to Chris in Las Vegas. Chris, thanks again for calling in. Oh, good to hear you back live on the air there, James. It's good to be back. It's uh, It was far too long, wasn't it? How are things in the land of the melting cores? Yeah, that's an unfortunately apt moniker. Uh, well, they're as good as can be expected, and at least it's a sunshiny day, so there's that much going for us. Well, to your topical points of the evening of the Global ID program, there are so many facets of it. And they all kind of tie back to the silent weapons to quiet wars and, the, of course, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, how to efficiently control the human monster slaves, or goyim, here on the planet, as we have all become affectionately known. And they are implementing multiplicitous different formations of this control to get these sensors to keep track of their human 
resources. Not to Unfortunately be... so. But, but Chris, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. I want to use you as a sounding board because it sounds like you understand very much what this agenda is about. But I know I get this a lot from people who aren't quite aware of what's going on who say, yes, they might have these national ID card systems and the biometrics, but what's the big deal? It's just an ID card. It's just your digital fingerprints and eye scans. What can they possibly do with it? Uh, 24-7, 365, nanosecond ascertaining of your location, uh, what places you go, what you buy, sell, spend, have in the bank, what sort of secrets you might have to monitor your conversations, your emails, your uh, private conversations to intrude into your home or domicile if you prefer to be able to in there surreptitiously without your knowledge to spy upon you at any time of the day or night to observe your most intimate moments and relationships, uh, to particularly to locate you and perhaps dispatch drones or other types of, uh, let's call them elimination processes or extermination processes, kind of like the big uh, Volkswagen with the bugs on the top. They can come out into your very local address within a nanocentimeter, and geoposition satellite, or IPS address, locate you and vaporize you on the band. Well, that's a grim reality, but I think you're exactly right. Those are just some of the ramifications of all of this technological grid we're being slotted into. So uh, here's another question for you, then. Why do you think there are so few people who understand at a gut instinctual level just how duplicitous, just how terrible, just how nightmarish all of this is, when if you go back a few generations ago, for example, Gandhi, one of the first things he did when he was in South Africa was to organize the uh, the Indians living in South Africa at the time to to protest by burning their, their ID cards that they had to carry around with them, and of course they were beaten up and thrown in jail for, for having done so, but it ultimately it ended up in the abolishment of that system. Why is it that Generations ago, people understood there's something really wrong about having to carry your papers around, but now we seem to be sleepwalking into that very type of system. Well, there's an age-old adage which says that those who refuse to recall the past are doomed to repeat the past. And in that, we have to understand that these things going around us are being posed as one thing while truly having a more evil and insidious agenda behind them. I give you all these new cell towers and communications towers and antenna towers that are being around to create the global network of communications for private, secret, tactical communications to be able to ascertain and communicate with the smart meters and the smartphones and the smart appliances and to be able to turn off and off your, on and off your electricity or your water or anything else that they wish to do, cease your trash service. Uh, cut off your accounts at the store. You can't buy gas at the supermarket uh, You or the uh, gas station. There is no end of what they can control once they have total control, and that is precisely what the agenda is, is global total control via the smart grid and this intelligence network of Barfa, Echelon. Oh, you got a break coming up. Yep, and I think you're exactly on point there. I think this is just the thin edge of the wedge of that system of global control. So let's take a short break. If you want to stay on the line, Chris, just hang on there, and we'll get back to you after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. back to the broadcast friends this is corporate report radio here on this tuesday night edition of the broadcast and it seems that we have tracked lieutenant eric shine down so we will be getting him on the line quickly and we will bring him up once he is but here we are tonight talking about this biometric id agenda and as i mentioned before the uh in the previous segment there that if you want to go to Google News, and uh, again, I don't su- suggest you use Google, but uh, if you want to go to the news search and just do a search for biometric ID, you'll find stories popping up from all around the globe. For example, uh, we have this one, Biometric Identification Program Progressing Well in Gambia. We have one from Ghana Web, over 100 prison inmates register for biometric ID cards. Hmm, that's an interesting demographic, isn't it? Uh, we have one from Gambia, over 300,000 biometric identification cards issued. Uh, we have this one uh, from uh, India, world's largest biometric database, uh, talking about the goal of getting the entire population of India, 1.2 billion people, to have their uh, fingerprints scanned and their irises scanned for the unbelievable, unthinkable database that the Indian government is attempting to create Another story out of India that I thought was particularly telling, biometric identification of slum dwellers resumes. And uh, in some in some sense, isn't that the way that they see all of us, the slum dwellers who need to have our fingerprints taken like common criminals? Because that, what else do you do with criminals? You identify them, you tag them, and you make sure that uh, you know where they are and what they're doing at all times. And boy, what a safe society that'll be once they have us in that loving, comforting web. Hmm. Well, let's go back to Chris in Las Vegas, who is holding on the line. Chris, any more thoughts on this agenda? Tag them and bag them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, when you understand that you've got the fusion centers of data and intel together, you've got the echelon center, you've got the satnet, You've got the cloud security monitoring system, and there are satellites in the sky that monitor us, and then you assimilate all that data that's going back and forth, and every time you go to the grocery store and card in or swipe in or biometrically ID yourself when you walk through the door, or the medical clinics, or anything else, public events, concerts, um, for the body house if you go there, or the gay bathhouse if you go there, they will absolutely know every aspect of your life, and they can predicate where you will be and they make special arrangements for your arrival. But I know you got Commander Shine, or at least uh, Captain Shine, or now Private Citizen Shine, formerly in the military, being charged as a military officer since he uh, hasn't being, properly right. declared his nature and status. Being charged okay. as a civilian or being tried as a civilian, even though he was in the military. But I'll let you uh, yield to Mr. Shine because I know he's a tough guy to capture and he has lots of information for us. And I do think about him and how his situation is going from time to time because I believe all in all he's a pretty good guy even though he does have some leftist roots in his uh, genetic uh-huh. DNA that pervert him a little bit. But he's a well, great we'll, guy. We'll swing him around. We'll, we'll show him the light. <laughs> all right, Chris, Chris in Las Vegas, thank you so much as always for your input. Always appreciate it. 
All right. Yes, as uh, as Chris mentioned, we do have Lieutenant Shine on the line, and he does know a thing or two about fusion centers and uh, biometric ID card systems and the Twic card and all of that. So let's bring him up on the air. Eric Shine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, James. Uh, apologize for being late. No problem. I understand it is a crazy time for all of us, but most especially for you and all of the stuff you're going through. I don't know if you uh, got to listen in on some of that conversation, but we were talking oh, about this biometric ID thing. stuff. Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was the TWIC card, yeah. transportation worker identification card that the Coast Guard pushed. Uh, Admiral Loy, specifically, Coast Guard Commandant, uh, before um, Collins and then Allen and then now Faf. Uh, I'm not in the Coast Guard, never been in the Coast Guard. was up for promotion as a lieutenant commander in the Navy in the special program that I am in, in the Merchant Marine, coming out of the Federal Service Academy and the Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point in New York. And, um, I, I mean, what they're up to, it, it, it's fascism through and through. They're using the government to create business for their own corporation, not the people in general, not corporations in general, not for an industry, but specifically for themselves and their family. Uh, Admiral Loy uh, put in the regulations, much like Michael Chertoff did with the TSA and the, the body scanners, where Michael Chertoff then went to work for the company making the body scanners. Admiral Lloyd did the same thing with a transportation worker identification card, a new biometric ID card. And you've heard me talk about this for years and years, um, even right, on your yeah. own program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're watching it implemented with horror in country after country, and a lot of Americans think that, well, that's happening in India, that's in Gambia, that's all over the place, but it's not here. But they don't know about the Twit card, so perhaps we can tell them a little bit about that and also some of the ways that the NTSB is trying to get in on all of this. Well, the NTSB even just came out, well, not uh, with several rulings, actually. Uh, many are pertaining to cell phones and trying to pass and push... Um, uh, uh, you know, basically to prohibit the use of cell phones while driving entirely from all states in the United States. Part of that is a uh, power grab to basically uh, consolidate so that the states do not license uh, drivers anymore, so that it's a federal issue, it's a, a national issue uh, to standardize, and they've even been working on this for some time. But the Twit card goes to this, it's tied to this, to where uh, not only did the Coast Guard, under what happened with the Exxon Valdez and Joe Hazelwood, the captain of the Valdez, uh, initiate a new program and create the new National Driver Registry. This was one of the steps. This was back in the 80s. In response to Joe Hazelwood being an alcoholic or having drunk drivings or whatever, they felt that um, the need, uh, instead of having an independent system, they look to marry and take over existing systems from the individual states. Uh, like, you know, if you get a drunk driving in your car, now somehow, and I, I actually had this happen where I had a speeding ticket, and I went to upgrade my engine, my professional engineering license as a marine engineer. They would not allow me to upgrade my license because I had a um, speeding ticket. So they, they denied, and this goes to like right to a trial and you know loss of life, liberty, or property. Uh, they administratively, without a hearing, denied me 
the right to upgrade my license for a year because of a, a traffic ticket in my vehicle, my car. So they're marrying all the issues together to where not only forget about a chip or a card, like a biometric ID card, the new TWIC card, Transportation Worker Identification Card, is not only being funded by individuals who work in the transportation sectors, like uh, in the ports, and when I say ports, I mean like airports and or our marine ports, uh, waterways and more, uh, basically transportation truck drivers, uh, airline pilots, uh, stewardesses, stewards, um, uh, people, baggage handlers, you know, TSA, uh, to where they're paying, because it's about $130 fee, I'm not sure if it's changed recently or gone up, and you're paying that fee to Lockheed Martin, where Admiral Loy now works, he became a millionaire off of this, off of setting up the regulations as the commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard to require this and begin to initiate this program for the military-industrial complex, Lockheed Martin, a military-federal contractor that owns and controls where private citizens are funding this program, required to pay for this, and if you don't have this, you don't, you can't work. You cannot get access to facilities. You cannot drive a truck, et cetera, et cetera. And it gets into, like you mentioned about iris scanning, blood type. It will eventually have all your medical records on it, all your personnel records, all your personal records to where if you get pulled over, they can scan it. And if they want to, they can look at what medical history, whatever. And if they so deem, uh, yeah, I mean, think of where I'm at and where I've been for the last um, 10 years or more where I'm being charged and prosecuted aggressively by a branch of military that I'm not in that's not supposed to be a branch of military, namely the U.S. Coast Guard. And I'm supposedly defending myself as my own counsel, even though they're trying to prove that I'm, quote-unquote, medically mentally incompetent. Um, talk about Kafka and, you know, whatever. But this twit card is tied into the electronic um, uh, uh, money uh, or, or, you know, coinage to where you see, like, on iPad and um, a lot of the uh, uh, new electronics, you can actually just swipe almost like a uh, mobile pass. Uh, mobile gas stations have the speed pass. Similar to that, but you use your phone, and you automatically pay via your phone for Starbucks services, uh, restaurant, gasoline, whatever, and it's all directly tied to, you know, not only the phone, which has a particular, I think it's a license, uh, uh, not under FCC, but the ISDN, just like your computer, that's basically tagged or tracked to or targeted to you as an individual. And beyond that, it's also a tracking device. Even one of the Absolutely. phones that the council purchased for me in these proceedings, the council that was forced upon me initially, they bought me, and this is back in 2003, they bought me one of the newer phones at the time that even said right on it, GPS. Yeah, yeah, of course, because uh, there's no way to escape the grid once they construct us around, constructed around us. And you point out Lockheed Martin, which is interesting because I just did a report on Silicon Valley uh, in your neck of the woods there and how all of those uh, corporations that are operating around there and that were populating that, that, that part of the uh, California back in the 1950s when it was the Stanford Research Park 
All of them, of course, were just openly working for on government contracts, and that included a Lockheed Martin um, uh, uh, research division that they had out there. And uh, and it's the exact same thing today. We it's still all these companies that are working for directly for the military for the government on contracts that are creating this technology, which ultimately always gets used to try to enslave the population further. Well, and I and I've tried to to raise for some time in this in my mind, you know, whether it's Germany or Prussia or you know whatever other country in Europe that doesn't even exist anymore by name. Uh, uh, or England, or wherever you want to look, Spain, Italy. Um, you know, and Italy is, is a, another good source for that as far as empire. Um, but the games that have been played, and and, yeah, and, I, and I brought up before about how the Habsburgs are in, you know, from Germany, royal family, are a key player in all of this and have been a key player in not only European politics for, or not just politics, but, you know, uh, trade and commerce and more, transportation uh for the last 1300 years in europe if not the world um a lot of these families are the individuals who are behind what is going on and there's a divide and i heard one of your callers you know uh, accuse me of being a leftist or partially being a leftist or having some leftist dna in there um left or right socialist or communist capitalist or uh you know whatever other term you want to throw in there royalist i guess would be another good one there's a, a strong divide between those at the top and the, and everyone else. And we think of things in a certain fashion. You know, like I, I believe that we should have public services like fire department, police department, that they should be civil service, that they should be not for profit, uh, much like and I've used the, the example of the London Bridge House Trust and how that was set up and, you know, it was set up by royal family way back when. Uh, you know, 800, 900 years ago, uh, and it stands between, but it, it's been a public trust, whether held privately or, or publicly, that has held it in trust for the benefit of the public to where it not only uh, did the initial uh, mission of the trust to, you know, maintain the bridge, it, it grew to such an extent because that money which was protected and so well managed that it grew to not only be able to replace the bridge that it did do, but also uh, grow to such an extent to uh, maintain and replace a number, uh, maintain all the other bridges in and around London, and replace a number of those as well, to the point now that it's grown to such an extent because it's been managed as a public trust, something that grows into perpetuity, not just for the generation that established it, but for all generations in the future. And that's the concept of our, you know, public library system, our, our, our library of Congress, our court system, which is being shut down. They're shutting down like 30-some-odd courts here in California, or 30 or more, or 130 or something. It's just it's an obscene number where it's real clear they, they are doing everything to prepare us for war. And you can see what's going on in the Middle East. And I've been saying this and claiming this for, you know, years, eight, uh, yeah, probably pretty close, eight, nine years now, and, and, and saying it very clearly uh, that the military-industrial complex that now transcends nation-state, that now transcends uh, geopolitical boundaries, that now transcends even socioeconomic boundaries, that now transcends nation-states, is 
uh, owned and controlled by the elite, whether they are, are royalist or capitalist or whatever name you wish, you know, like Mitt Romney, he's supposedly a, um, uh, a venture capitalist. When we really look at him, he's, he's a vulture capitalist. He didn't go in and build companies, create companies, uh, come up with new ideas. He went in and raped and pillaged much like uh, Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street. Uh, that's the kind of person that our country, you know, we may soon have President right. Romney. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's it's, it's the new type of person to venerate. That's the new American dream, I guess. Not to actually create anything, but just to uh, to throw around some of that paper funny money and uh, to basically play with people's lives as if it uh, if it's just your little toy, as the song goes. But uh, you're exactly right, and there are so many ways that they try to keep us pitted against each other so we don't unite on these issues like the national ID cards scheme and other things that we all know to be just fundamentally wrong. So it is important for us to transcend those those petty differences and to get to the real issues that we can unite on and can have an effect on. Because it was just a few years ago, the real ID card system they were trying to put in, uh, yep. just you know, without any window dressing or without anything to distract people, they were just trying to pass it through Congress. Huge stink and cry about it. They had to take it off the uh, the books, at least in name only. And now they're trying to do it quietly behind the scenes with the Twit card and other such things. But, uh, yeah, but it does show that right. people can have an effect. If they stand up, if they say no, if they refuse, if they kick up a fuss, they do have to back down. And And you bring up an important point, and I'll tell you one of the best ways that no one is really focused on. I have been a strong uh, pr uh, opponent of the Administrative Procedure Act. Uh, it was established after World War II to deal with all these departments and agencies. Regardless of whether it's constitutional or not, I believe it violates the Constitution. Even I, I sent you the email where uh, ALJ McKenna, the first uh, administrative law judge in my own proceedings, said that I don't have Fifth Amendment rights. The APA is the answer to being able to get into government and change what ails us right now. Absolutely. Well, let's hold that thought. We're going to break, and we will be back with the final few minutes of Corporate Report Radio and our guest, Lieutenant Eric Schein, right after this. friends here we are in the final few minutes of corbett report radio and as uh Sigur ross plays in the background i just wanted to take a moment to once again thank all of the supporters of the corbett report out there and uh once again without your support i couldn't do this and we've had a number of people sign up for subscriptions to the corbett report newsletter in the last several days including michael and sean and michelle and david and roger and james and marilyn and daniel and another sean so thank you once again to all of you and I just couldn't do it without all your support. I'm overwhelmed by support by all of you guys out there, so thank you all once again. Again, details of how you can sign up for that subscription are on CorbettReport.com. But tonight we're talking to Lieutenant Eric Shine, and uh, once again we didn't have a lot of time to discuss what's going on with his case, so we'll have to get him back up on the program to discuss it at more length. But of course, you can find out more at uh, MartialLaw911.com, CrossingTheRubicon.org. Eric, did I get that right? Yeah, but again, those I haven't even added anything to those in yeah, years. Not up to date. I've just been overwhelmed, and it, it does, it's not a good. You know, there's some of the cases and stuff up there, but 
right now I'm before the Ninth Circuit on appeal from the NTSB, and you mentioned about the NTSB. They're trying to use the NTSB to federalize, but they want to wipe away the states. Like even, and real quick, they're, they're using uh, the, the Coast Guard to uh, document small boats, sailboats, powerboats, whatever, yachts, to where the, the initially they were doing it for free, now, and you, before you could do either that or and or the state, uh, now you can only do one or the other, and it costs a hundred bucks to do it with the Coast Guard. And uh, guess what? That money, instead of going to the state for repairs in your state, to your uh, bridges and waterways and more, to your Department of Motor Vehicles, it is funding a branch of military around the constraints of Congress. That's the way it works. Well, we're running out of time here, but I know there are pe probably people in the audience who, who want to help in some way and uh, don't know how to reach you. Why don't you tell them what, how they can best get in touch with you? Well, of course, you have my, I'm going to put my number. They can contact me through you. Uh, my phone number, I'll put it out, 714-362-7491. Um, my email address is uploadinthezone at gmail.com, upload um, U-P-L-O-A-D-I-N-T-H-E-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com, upload in the zone. Um, I really need help. I'm, 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 I'm in the lair of the beast. I'm in the Ninth Circuit, and I've seen case law, like we're in Pennsylvania, I think it was, they upheld the circuit court where they could fire a policeman for losing his sense of smell. Instead of finding him a desk job, which they would do, and we've talked about this before, which they would do for a drug dog, uh, because he lost his sense of smell somehow. I mean, they would, they would, uh, like, have a ceremony and build a, a, a doghouse out of gold and give the dog steaks for life. But for another fellow human being, they'd kick him to the street. Unfortunately so. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. And uh, it's just going to get worse. So what's the next big date that's coming up for you? Um, well, I have a brief that's due um, July 9th, which is the opening brief, and I'm not sure if that will move or not. We're working on trying to get a complete agency record. But um, I'm pretty close to, uh, you know, having something heard by the Ninth Circuit, hopefully, but um, right. we'll have to see what happens. Well, we will uh, keep in touch, and we'll have you back on to talk more about this in the future. Lieutenant Shine, thank you for your time tonight. Chris in Las Vegas, thank you for your call. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening. Once again, we will be moving to 9 p.m. Pacific as of next week, so look forward to that. And until tomorrow night, same time, same station, thanks all out there for listening, and take care. The next.